Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Race to the Bottom. I'm your host, Joe Harmon. This week's episode is an interview with Rachel Buckman, who is senior sports journalist at the Wall Street Journal. Rachel wrote an article last week regarding the financial confusion over what the Women's World Cup is worth. According to FIFA, that figure is unknown, but a report released by FIFA which featured a, a specific amount of $131 million as the profit for the Women's World Cup has caused ramifications for the US women's national team and naturally will have a, an effect on the national associations of other women's national teams. As Rachel reveals in the article that actually this £131 million is actually the operating cost of the tournament as opposed to the profit. So Rachel was able to share some real insight about the wider issues of this story and also of what the implications further down the line may be and what it may hold for prize money and improved pay scenarios for future Women's World Cups. Hope you enjoy the interview. I'll catch up with you after. Here it is. I want to thank you massively for coming on to Race to the Bottom. Coming across the article that I did during the week that you wrote about essentially the unknown value of the Women's World Cup, it seemed to have been missed by the football community, UK side, that's for sure. I, I don't know, we get a bit preoccupied with the Premier League and everything else. Once it's out of sight, it seems to be out of mind. Yeah. Would you be able to put some kind of meat on the bones of, of what that article that you wrote intimated and what, what it means? Sure. Uh, well, historically, FIFA has bundled and sold the broadcast and sponsorship rights for the Men's and Women's World Cups together. And, of course, when the Women's World Cup launched in 1991, um, that probably made a lot of sense. It was, you know, a relatively small event. And, of course, women's football was, um, as, a, as sort of a high-level sport, was, was fairly new. Um, but fast forward to 2019, and uh, the Women's World Cup attracted, by FIFA's estimate, about a billion viewers globally, which compares with about... 3.5 billion for the 2018 men's world cup mm. uh so this is obviously no longer just sort of a backyard tournament that um fifa runs along with the beach soccer and and other events this has become um clearly fifa's second most uh important event and um and arguably the the most popular women's sporting event standalone in the world um, so I, what I wrote about was just the fact that because of that historical pattern and practice of bundling the sale of these rights, um, FIFA really has never broken out, at least publicly, what the women's tournament might be worth in terms of revenues. Well, like you said, they've always been almost kind of added on to the Men's World Cup. Is it because they haven't got enough historical data to go on or because they've always amalgamated it, they've never been able to kind of analyse the financial side of it separately? Well, it's, it's difficult to say exactly why because um, FIFA didn't answer all the questions I had directly. But from what I can tell from its public financial reports, uh, FIFA appears to allocate um, 
100% of the broadcast and sponsorship rights revenue for the men's world, for the for the men's and women's World Cups, to the men's World Cup. So in other words, um, in in the U.S., uh, Fox Sports pays a great deal of money to broadcast the men's and women's World Cups. Um, I think the last I checked, the contract was 425 million U.S. dollars to um, for the rights to broadcast both of those tournaments, and um, and that amount of money from from how I read FIFA's financials um, is credited entirely to the men's World Cup. So mm. what we have here is not only do we not know how much the women's World Cup generates, but we probably also have a slightly or even more than slightly inflated value um, published by FIFA for the men's World Cup. That's alarming, really, and it gives a lot of oxygen and credence to you know players like those of the the U.S. women's national team who are pushing really hard with with their lawsuit for improved and equal pay. I want to move on to $131 million projected revenue um, that you talk about that essentially was a cost. Am I right in in understanding? That's right. It's quite a big um, (laughs) cock-up, to to put it. It it is. Um, And, uh, you know, I will say FIFA's financial documents are somewhat confusing to read, just the way they're laid out, but that number was misinterpreted by an initial member of the media in the U.S. and and then followed by dozens more, dozens more repeated the error. And in fact, even the U.S. Soccer Federation repeated the error. And the error was, as you said, to interpret a projected cost for the Women's World Cup 2019 as projected revenue, which, as you point out, is is the opposite. Mm. Um, And so this number, the reason this number spread so widely is because in the U.S., uh, there was this debate raging about uh, Women's World Cup prize money. How much should the women get? Well, maybe they should get less, even way less, because they generate less revenue. That was sort of the storyline that was... It's been the drum that's been beaten, hasn't it? It, yes, it is. And um, and to be clear, you know, the, the, the U.S. women um, argue mainly that the U.S. Soccer Federation should be paying them more. Um, and the U.S. Soccer Federation is sort of added as part of its defense that, well, part of the reason their total compensation is less is because the World Cup prize money, which is decided by FIFA, is, is so um, far behind. So, so the U.S. Soccer Federation is really the one making that argument. But globally, certainly, it's been a debate how much should the women make in prize money. It's, it's um, you know, a fraction of what the men make. And um, I would argue that um, if you look at the, the viewership comparisons alone and just, you know, gauge the value of the tournaments based on those, the respective uh, audiences for the tournaments, um, that the, the women certainly should be making more prize money than they are based on the audience they're attracting. Absolutely, yes. Uh, what were the figures, again, or, or what was the actual revenue of the Women's World Cup? Do we know that? We don't know that. It's, it's, it's sort of a frustrating conclusion, but, um, but we really don't know. I think if you take that $5.4 billion figure as sort of a benchmark that reported for the Men's World Cup and assume that some chunk of those revenues... Um, should also be allocated to the should be allocated to the women's World Cup. Um, you could take it on a straight viewership split. You know, the that one billion viewers for women um, was about twenty eight percent of what mm. the men's World Cup twenty eighteen attracted. So um, you know, twenty eight 
twenty the, the women are certainly not getting um twenty eight percent of the prize money. Um, but it's it's entirely possible that they're approaching generating twenty eight percent of the revenue based solely on on viewership. Or I would argue, it's uh you know they perhaps they should be generating that much if FIFA were selling this tournament um appropriately. Do the players do the football associations? that participate in the Women's World Cup. Are they aware of this discrepancy? Are they, do you know if if players are aware of your article and, and your findings? Uh, I, well, I'm, I'm sure that the U.S. players are now. Um, I'm not certain about other associations around the world. Uh, I hope they, they read and hear about it because I think it's an important point. Um, you know, at the same time, FIFA and the federations around the world, the national federations and the confederations, you know, are not required to award prize money based on revenue. It's it's not a stipulation. This, these aren't you know private businesses, uh, professional leagues. These are these are um, associations that are charged with growing the sport. And you know, if if the leaders wanted to, they could decide to give more prize money to the women or the same amount simply because they thought that was the right thing to do. There there are no rules you know mandating how they have to award it. Um, so this is really sort of a benchmark, and I think the reason why setting the record straight is so important is because this has been, as you say, um, a talking point that, well, the women hardly generate any revenue, so they really don't deserve much. With your kind of unveiling of this and your findings, do you think you've caused FIFA to ask questions of, obviously, the next time it comes around in four years, that they'll have to perhaps either look to separate from the offset or when it comes to the financials, definitely look to to separate the financial reports of both World Cups to ensure a transparency and an equality for, for both sets of players? You know, that's a good question. And frankly, I don't know the right answer in terms of selling the broadcast rights. There are some experts I've spoken with who think that it's a good idea to bundle the rights because for various reasons, um, and I'll give you an example, you know, in the United States, uh, the U.S. men didn't qualify for the mm. 2018 World Cup. And so it, it was probably quite helpful and welcome for the, the U.S. broadcasters to have the Women's World Cup because um, it was it was a very welcome revenue source in a cycle when the men generated significantly less revenue than was expected. So um, maybe FIFA will conclude, hey, we still want to bundle and sell these rights. Um, but maybe they could sell sponsorship rights separately, for instance. There might be different sponsors who want to to align with the Women's World Cup than the Men's World Cup. Um, for example, one of the sponsors of the U.S. Soccer Federation is Secret Deodorant, which is a deodorant marketed to women. Mm -hmm. So clearly, Secret is aligning with the women's team. Um, the other sponsors, you know, Volkswagen, Nike, are, are I think, um, it's less clear what they see more value in, the women's or the men's teams. But... Um, you know, some sponsors would want to align with one team, maybe because of the product they're selling or, or the products. So um, I think the, the important thing for FIFA is to um, to look at this uh, holistically and to really see the women's tournament as a revenue generating opportunity, because I think that's where FIFA has really fallen short. I think that they were shocked by how high the ratings were, particularly in Europe and in Brazil this time. And um, my sense is that they had really didn't have a sense of how quickly this has been growing, and um, I hope that they will capitalize on that commercially the next time around. Yeah, absolutely, because it's it's very clear that the advertising and marketing companies have capitalized on it. Um, 
traditionally, I think the best reflection of the success of a tournament is football kits on the high street. And, you know, it's the first time seeing women's football kits being worn by your average male football fan over, over here is something that's changed. So is there evidence that financially the Women's World Cup from an advertising and marketing point of view was, was a success? It seems that way. Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, Gianni Infantino raved about it, uh, and, but he spoke in fairly general terms, so I'm not sure if he was looking at the bottom line. I'm guessing he was, the early the early returns. But um, but I can tell you that in the U.S., um, the, the women's national team jersey Nike announced was its best-selling jersey in, in one season um, this year. So, um, wow. and that's, you know, outstripping all the men's teams it's competing with. So um, in the United States, this team is very popular. Um, Nike also said just this week in, in an earnings call that its apparel sales for the Women's World Cup generally um, were four times what they were in 2015. And to me, that suggests not only the popularity of the U.S. women's team, but also the popularity, as you say, of, of England, of France, of Brazil, of these other mm. high-profile women's teams that went deep into the tournament and generated a lot of attention. Because, you know, Nike makes a lot of the kits for yeah. the, the women's teams now, and I think they're also seeing the enormous growth potential. Um, in fact, I think the only downside in the United States is many fans I've seen complain that they, they can't get the women's jersey. For instance, the one with, with four stars on it, um, denoting their four World Cup titles, has been in very short supply here. It's, it simply keeps selling out. And so there's actually a lot of frustration among fans that they actually cannot get their hands on the souvenirs that they want because of the demand. Well, that's something that they're going to uh, have to kind of up their games on, I guess. Um, yes, I think so. If to, to fast forward four years' time, Rachel, would it be something... Um, and would it be unrealistic to expect and see that the women's um, prize bin, which was improved previously, but to be significantly improved upon again on reflection of what we now know is a significant discrepancy between estimation that they're going to earn $131 million, which we now know that is the projected actual cost, and, and what we know is a portion of $5.37 billion. Would you expect to see that reflected appropriately in, in the next World Cup? I would think in the prize money, you mean? Yes, yeah. Yes, I would think so. Um, it, in fact, it's interesting. Um, in, the, in the last week of the World Cup, um, Infantino indicated that um, they would double the, world, the women's prize money for 2023. And just a couple of weeks later, he, he met with um, members of the U.S. women's team um, in the Rose Bowl in California at, on the first game of their victory tour. And afterwards, we, we just saw him in the tunnel after the game. I was actually surprised to see him there. He, he attended the game with his family, and, and we asked him, you know, what about prize money? And, and I said, you know, you've said that you will double it. And, and he said, I think we can do better than that. Wow. So I think he's realizing even, even as the weeks go by and as more information comes in about the numbers from this tournament that um, – FIFA needs to do, he, it really needs to make a quantum leap in both um, investment and reward for this tournament. Um, I, I didn't say this, but I, I think the conclusion is that um, they really haven't paid enough attention to this. Yeah, it seems to have really turned a corner, uh, you know, the, this, this World Cup. Here. I think it's been close to that tipping point, and I'd say that this one has kind of totally tipped it over the other, the other side, and it, it, it's totally broken through, hasn't it? Um, and, and long may it continue.
Um, Rachel, I just want to say a massive thank you. I understand you're incredibly busy. I, I won't take up more of your time. But if there is articles that people want to read about, I understand that uh, the Wall Street Journal has a £1 for two months uh, deal, which I think I signed up today so I could read more uh, of the articles. Where can people get hold of you and, and, and find your work, Rachel? Well, I tweet all my stories at my um, Twitter handle, which is Boxcore, and that's B-A-C-H-S-C-O-R-E. Um, and you could also just, to see this story we're discussing, you could also just um, put into Google 131 million Women's World Cup, and you'll see my story, and you'll see um, many other um, outlets and pundits who got it wrong. Fantastic. Um, thank you again, Rachel. Massively appreciate um, you've given me the time to come on and uh, and speak to me about it. It's my pleasure, Joe. Happy, happy footballing. I just want to say thanks again to Rachel for giving me the time to speak with her about this topic. Uh, Rachel's writing can be uh, found, like she said, at thewallstreetjournal.com and her Twitter account. Really, really great articles, especially from a football perspective, about the US women's national team and their ongoing lawsuit uh, with the United States Soccer Federation. So really good reading to be had there. As always, a massive thank you to the listeners out there. Um, if you do enjoy the show, please like it, rate it on any of the platforms that you uh, you listen to it on. Website is racethebottom.net. You can subscribe there and feel free to get in touch via the Twitter account at RTTB Podcast. This has been Race to the Bottom. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Race.